welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Dustin Jackson. Dustin Jackson. Thought I'd be a little softer with my introduction, ease people into it a little bit. See, I think we need to just ramp it up! Whoa! I'm Dustin Jackson! Yeah! Wow! Oh, it is still Stinky Ape Summer, Dustin. And I know a lot of you are saying, Hi, this episode went live on uh, Labor Day in the U.S. Summer's over. What do you mean it's Stinky Ape Summer? And, and to that I say, uh, shut your mouth. Summer actually goes to like, like September 23rd, technically, in, here in the Northern Hemisphere. So the way I always view it is summer lasts until talk like a pirate day on September 19th. That is that is the last big holiday, the big last big summer celebration blowout. So it's still Stinky Ape Summer by, by the calendar and by DK Vine Law. So we, we Yeah. This this ape don't stop stinking till we say so. <laughs> yeah. Now granted, we are in that 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 kind of funky period of summer where we're like the kids are back in school and we've got like Halloween decorations in stores. So I I, I like this like time. I actually I actually like this now that I don't have to go back to school. I like that. We've got this like bleed through area where it's still summer, the weather's still hot, uh, everything's still tropical in, in you know the vibes, but we've got skeletons. <laughs> the best time of year. Yeah, it's it's just a, a nice mosaic. Uh, it's nice a perfect tapestry. time for a skeleton beach party. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we've still got a couple of episodes queued up for Stinky Ape Summer and got some uh, nice prizes. So just stick with us. If you like summer and you're bummed that everybody's telling you to watch football and, and drink pumpkin spice lattes, DK Vine's got your back. It's still summer here, baby. Yeah, we got a stinky ape for you. And, you know, as we enter the September stretch of summer, you know, late summer, as you may call it, my mind starts thinking about Talk Like a Pirate Day. And when I think of pirates, I often think of Crocodile Isle, the iconic setting of Donkey Kong Country 2 and Donkey Kong Land 2. And on this episode of The Conversation, we are going to break down something that I have brought up from time to time, just as a aside, a little, huh, that's a quandary. And that is, was the destruction of Crocodile Isle at the end of Donkey Kong Country 2 a creative mistake, a blunder bear on the part of rare and the donkey kong country 2 team did we lose uh, a location that could have been mined uh mined for many years to come what was it short-sighted that is the question we will be posing on this episode of the conversation it's something i brought up across dk vine for a while now, and I was like, you know what? Now is the time to really analyze this, to really 
put this question in the spotlight and ask ourselves and ask you listening at home, huh, did DKC2 <laughs> blow it? I mean, I knew th- I know they blew it. They blew the island. But did, was that <laughs> what they were blowing in, in, a, in a grander sense of the term? So, yes. But before we get into that, I got to do my plugs. Oh, my favorite part of the show. Everybody's favorite part of the show. I hear people uh, actually tune out once I'm done <laughs> with the due diligence because they think that, oh, well, the best part is over now. The You know, the rest is just, uh, it's just the... Who cares uh, about the rest? Yeah, it's just the excess. It's just the spillage. Uh, the true epicenter of any conversation is this bit. So, Dustin, you and I, we are both stars, superstars what? of the DK Vine Twitch channel. That's true. Y- you know, it, <laughs> you, you got to call it like you seize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're you're on the Idaho crew stream. That's right. I am. Now, n- n- thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Do you, do you want to talk about that a little bit? What, I'd like, love to. On Tuesday nights... Uh, me, as well as my good friends in the Idaho crew, uh, the ACZ, uh, Special Agent Ape, and Tito sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we just, Tito. That's what yeah, I say, sometimes. That's we my never favorite know. romantic comedy. Sometimes Tito. <laughs> sometimes Tito. You never know. Um, but we just go through whatever DKU game we're feeling. Uh, right now, we're smack dab in the middle of our Banjo-Kazooie Marathon. Uh, where we're playing through all of the Banjo-Kazooie games. Uh, We just finished up Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge, and so we'll be moving on to Banjo-Tooie, not this next week, because we're busy this Tuesday, but the following week. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I was going to say, you you better be playing Banjo-Pilot, but I guess it makes sense. You're doing it in chronological order. Yeah, and boy, that's been a point of debate but uh, among all of us here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... One I, person thinks Banjo-Pilot should be here, another thinks it should be here. It's this whole kerfuffle. It's after Tui, Dustin. Take my word. Yeah, Take that's that's yeah. where I'm at. Yeah, now, I, I would argue you you are missing out on the brilliance of Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge Mobile Edition and <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie Grunty's Revenge Missions. Two separate games most people don't realize. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll probably continue to not play them, though. <laughs> oh, that's a, well, maybe the next Banjo-thon. You know, there, there's, yeah, a, there's always yeah, the next Don't time count on it, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and of course... Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. Tui is uh, my favorite game of all time. Wow. So it's, yeah. al- it's always a good time. Yeah, well, uh, that it should be interesting to see uh, how you fare, because, you know, Banjo-Tui is a pretty oppressive game in length and... Uh, and, and, and it's just a complexity. thick boy it's complex it's a complex game banjo Tooie. that's true but i feel like every time i play it i get a better grasp on it like i used to hate grunty industries and now i simply tolerate it <laughs> well i myself am playing banjo kazooie on dk vine done slow which is most wednesdays at 1 30 p.m eastern 10 30 a.m pacific 6 30 p.m b s 
And you just recently did um, Click Clock, the second half of Click Clock Wood. Yeah, I correct. Because bro- bro- DK Vine Down Slow, the gimmick is that I, I'm not speed running. I I'm not playing at a regular pace. I'm I'm actually just doing it very slow. And with Click Clock Wood, a lot of the slowness comes naturally when you fall off the tree. But <laughs> I, I broke up Click Clock Wood into two parts, and part one is now up as a uh, archived video on YouTube. You can check that out. But uh, part two will be going up shortly. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm winding Manjo Kazooie down. I have a few more streams left in the leaky bucket. But uh, after that, I, I will be moving on. I, I do a, a new DKU game, and I, I get several months out of it generally so yeah i love it it's it's i I love yeah i love uh having a stream where someone stops to smell the roses especially for uh games that are among my favorites i love uh just admiring the little things yeah and i that's what i really like to do is is pointing out small details really get into like the history of particular characters or things and how the shared universe intertwines so it's not for everybody obviously but if that's your thing check it out we also stream sea of thieves on sundays at 11 a.m eastern 8 a.m pacific 4 p.m bst uh dustin is sometimes part of the crew of the dreadfully evil but uh yeah we're that's if if you're into sea of thieves if you're not but if you like rare if you like the dku Definitely check that out. Uh, It's just kind of a nice view of the Sea of Thieves through the eyes of DK Vine. So that's it's always a fun time. Yeah, it's twitch.tv forward slash DK Vine or DKVine.com forward slash Twitch. Check it out. Also, don't forget to support DK Vine on Patreon if you want. DK Vine's Patreon is how the site keeps its lights on uh, this just this past month your generous patronage uh, renewed our server cost so you know it dk vine would not exist without the funding of our audience and listeners like you so we thank you dkvine.com forward slash patreon also as september rolls in and summer vacations wind down. I know some of you out there are feeling like you've been, I don't know, uppercut out of a hella vessel with your body bouncing <laughs> down jagged cliffs until it lands in the salty brine of the ocean dark. Well, Kyle, Kyle you know the problems I've had uh, falling down uh, cliffs. I do. I do. But what's one to do, Dustin? As the sharks begin to converge on you while you are flailing about in the sea. I wish I know. I wish I knew. I have all these sharks around me. What if there's no secret underground network of tunnels that leads you to an ancient ancestral ley line that replenishes your life force? (gasps) Well, have you instead considered reaching for a land shark island style logger? It's Landshark. Wow. Landshark is akin to a pulsating blue earth energy that will mend your spiritual wounds without running the risk of you tumbling into it and bringing ruin to both you and everything you've ever cared about. That is, <laughs> so long as you drink responsibly. Landshark Island-style lager 
If I'm plugging it, Jimmy Buffett must be paying me. And if I'm taking Jimmy Buffett's money, you know I must think it's good. <laughs> We've already won. Mm. Ah, sharky. That sounds delicious. <laughs> it goes down smooth, just like <laughs> a shark. Those are my favorite kind. <laughs> All right, Dustin. All right. Donkey Kong Country 2's ending. I, I mean, I think I, I'm speaking to, you know, a, a like hive mind here when I say it, the ending to that game is generally considered a masterpiece in both being one of the most satisfying conclusions ever devised to any platforming game, but also in just being extremely cathartic and beautiful, that long, lingering shot of Donkey, Diddy, and Dixie just gazing out at the ocean, the empty ocean where once stood the imposing image of their enemy's homeland. But... Was that ending a mistake? So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a masterpiece and all, but maybe, maybe it was the wrong move. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm curious what you think. I'm also curious what our live stream audience has to think. Hello to the Geek Critique, Josh Wallen. How you doing? Um, Hello. So... Uh, I'm curious what, 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 what Josh has to say. Josh will be returning to the conversation, by the way, at some point in the autumn. We've got an episode we've been kicking around uh, earlier today, actually. We were like, hey, this would be a good episode. So uh, ooh, ooh. if you're a fan... I'm looking forward to it. If you're a fan of the Geek Critique on the conversation, good times are ahead for you. But yeah, so Dustin, uh, I, I think we need to recap for those who maybe aren't familiar with the ending or just haven't played in a while, what the ending of Donkey Kong Country 2 actually was. We need to set the stage. So, all throughout the adventure of Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy and Dixie are, of course, adventuring on the Kremlin's island, their home island, Crocodile Isle, which is Donkey Kong Island's nearest neighbor. Right. Yeah. And they're trying to rescue Donkey Kong from K. Rool, who is who's keeping him in his castle, K. Rool's keep. And then eventually, you know, absconds with him up into the Flying Croc. And then K. Rool falls out of the Flying Croc into the ocean. You think he's been eaten by sharks and he's dead. And uh, meanwhile, they they still have to mop up some things on Crocodile Isle, including solving the mystery of the Kremlin Lost World. Which is this, uh, like the 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 original origin point of the Kremlins, deep beneath Crocodile Isle, which they can access through Clubus Kiosk, paying him fifteen Krem coins a pop. They get to explore a different section of the Lost World, and ultimately, when they complete all of these levels, then the giant stone head in the middle of the Lost World opens up. The Crocodile Core is. Uh, accessible and the crocodile core houses the kremlin source the uh i mean it's a little bit ambiguous what this is supposed to be but i interpret it and i've always interpreted it as this mystical earth energy that is, is uh like just pulsating oozing out of the earth beneath crocodile isle 
and is responsible for the evolution of not only the Kremlins, but probably all of the unique animal species native to Crocodile Isle. So, like, you know, what, what's the difference between a, a bee and a zinger? Well, a bee that was exposed to the Kremlin source evolved into a zinger. You know, right, right. Yeah, so <laughs> we we're all familiar, right? So anyway, yeah. So it turns out K. Rule is hiding in the crocodile core. He somehow got into the Lost World uh, after getting uh, chomped on by sharks, and he healed himself with the the Kremlin life source. And uh, anyway, you you pick up the K. Rule duel in the crocodile core. His gun backfires. And he gets thrust into the Kremlin source, clogging it, like plugging it up and creating a uh, a buildup, a buildup of energy. Uh, Crocodile Isle starts trembling. The Kongs uh, return to the Monkey Museum. Uh, Cranky takes the time to uh, put Diddy back on the video game hero podium just it's like oh go oh, oh, sounds like it's like crocodile isles go to explode but first we need to compare your stats to mario <laughs> anyway they, yeah, they you have your priorities in order yeah they get back to croc they get to donkey kong island and uh from the safety of what i think is supposed to be the cliffs on vine valley Donkey, Diddy, and Dixie watch as Crocodile Isle erupts, the Kremlin source rupturing through the top of the island, completely obliterating like everything above Crazy Kremlin, and the island sinks into the ocean. K. Rool does escape, uh, laughing maniacally as he sails into the horizon, but Crocodile Isle and presumably a good bulk of the Kremlin population are no more. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> as we've often joked about on this podcast, essentially Diddy and Dixie commit an accidental genocide of the Kremlin people. I mean, it, it, it wasn't their fault. Yeah. It could have happened to anyone. Yeah. K rolls blunderbuss backfires. And I mean, K rolls one, instigating a battle with them right in the you know like the the heart of kremlin origin it's it's on him you know mostly yeah i i'd say it's mostly his fault yeah it is yeah i mean without his machinations without his scheming without his plot this never would have happened diddy and dixie didn't mean for this to happen but it happened and i'm sure they, at on some level, carry that guilt with them to this day. I, I like <laughs> I like to imagine Diddy wakes up, you know, drenched in sweat. He's, he, and, and he's just like, he reaches for the whiskey by the side of the bed. His head <laughs> he, he remembers that He remembers that look in that clampon's eye. <laughs> and Dixie turns and she's like, you had the dream again, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Heil, I have a question for you about this Kremlin life uh, force energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think it tastes like? <laughs> yeah, I think it tastes like grape. You know, like yeah. grape flavored candy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, see, I, I'm looking at the colors. I think grape candy is a good answer. When I look at those colors, I think of those wild berry Pop-Tarts. What? Yeah, yeah, it looks like Nebula yeah. from off of Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Yeah, purple with like a blue, uh, just uh, lines going through. It's very nice. It, yeah, I feel like I know this isn't true, but I feel like it makes it more delicious. <laughs> I like to think that when K. Rule fell into the Kremlin source and his his girth was you know causing the 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 buildup, he was probably like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. But he was also probably like, mm, <laughs> this would go nice on a toaster pastry. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I know we, we, uh, we, we build things up as, as far as our opinions on the Donkey Kong series. I know, like, no serious video game scholar is going to sit back in their big leather chair with their, uh, you know, smoking jacket on and their pipe and say, you know, oh yes, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest is by far the most moving video game ending ever written. It's I, I realize this is a, a game about monkeys fighting crocodile people and, and uh you know the, the 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 pathos that we gleam from it is mostly due to our own affinity for the series and and no like no like i i guess uh video game journalist or uh or scholar with serious credentials would ever say this belongs in the top 10 or whatever but like i said for a platforming game I, I don't think you're ever going to be like moved quite as much as this ending, just in the sheer visceral impact of it, and also just the quiet contemplation that comes afterward. It's stirring. It, I mean, it, I, I know I'm the weird Donkey Kong guy, and and you know, whatever you know, uh, I'm I'm fully committed to the bit at this point. Like I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not trying to be anything that I'm not. I I don't care if I come across as just the weird diaper wearing uh, creepy man uh that, that everybody like tells their kids to stay away from i seriously think this ending is my favorite ending of all time in any video game it, it's it's wow. brilliant it's brilliant high praise but i mean yeah i mean for for a platforming game i don't think anything comes close to this Can you i, think I can't think of any no uh-uh I mean, like, when I think of platformer endings, I think of, like, uh, thank you for playing. Bye. Right. Donkey Kong lands classic ending that just says congratulations with a period. <laughs> not, not even an exclamation, not even an exclamation mark. mark. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> well, I'm glad it was acknowledged, at least. And, and you know, D- Donkey Kong Country 3... You know, the the egg drops on K. Rule, and you're like, really? That's it? <laughs> After this? That's it? But how do you top this? I don't think you can top this w- without, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think they could have tried a little bit, met them halfway, but I, I think this is just, uh, this this will never probably be outdone in, in any Donkey Kong game. Um that like you're gonna get cool little scenes like oh, they they thaw Donkey Kong Island and then they play music together. That's sweet, but it's not as like oh my god, mind reeling 
And then, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Oh my God, this is making me think about life. Uh, yeah. As DKC2's ending. Yeah, I mean, Donkey Kong did punch the moon in returns. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> but Crocodile Isle is is one of the most interesting locations in the Donkey Kong universe in the entire rare archipelago. And you know, honestly, Crocodile Isle was I think the first time that the rare archipelago was really established. Because before this, it was just Donkey Kong Island. Like, we didn't know the Kremlins came from somewhere else, really, uh, before Donkey Kong Country 2. Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Land, we just were just like, okay, this is Donkey Kong Island, and here are some more areas associated with Donkey Kong Island. But we don't know what lies beyond the sea. Dun, dun, dun. And we, like, <laughs> maybe this is it. Maybe this is just a crazy tropical island where gorillas talk and there are crocodile people. Like, like maybe there's nothing else. And then Donkey Kong Country 2, like, zoomed out a little bit. And was like, all right, but here's this. Here's this island. There's more for you. Yeah, and then, of course, we keep zooming out over the years. Oh, here, here's this uh, here's this whole temperate area with bears. And, oh, here's an island where they race. And there's tigers and a, a genie. And ooh, over here, you know, it just kept going. And that that does, you know, when St. Crocodile Isle established the Rare Archipelago, I'm ignoring retcons for older games like Donkey Kong 3, what was retconned as being Juicy Jungle, as you and I talked about, Dustin. Right. Uh, you know, Ultimatum Island being correlated with where Saberwolf GBA took place, et cetera, <laughs> which, et cetera. Was, which we also talked about. We, yeah, that's, we've been all around the retconned Archipelago this season. Wow, it feels like just a few months ago. I thought that it was a brilliant idea for a setting for the sequel. I'm going to say brilliant a lot in relation, because everything about Donkey Kong Country 2 is brilliant. I don't care. It's it's best platformer ever made. But not only was it a nice twist to have a tropical location that was a little bit scary, a little bit dark, a little bit depressing, a little bit dirty. It I mean, it, it felt refreshing a little bit after Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Island, which was, you know, it, Donkey Kong Island can be creepy at times, those mines, you know, but it's generally warm and inviting and it, it's celebrating like the warmth, the positivity, the uplifting spirit that is nature. Whereas Donkey Kong Country 2 is kind of the other side of the coin where it's like, oh, you know, it's it's it could be dark and dangerous and uh, imposing at the same time. But, you know, Crocodile Isle also really helped flesh out the Kremlings as an antagonist, as a species, as a people. And and we really started to understand their perspective a little bit more. I mean, it was on Crocodile Isle where we got to know Clubba, who was the first Kremlin that really showed us that maybe Kre- there's more to the, being a Kremlin than just being a blind follower of K. Rule. You know, maybe there's a little bit more going on there. And that we shouldn't just judge an entire people based on their political affiliation. Yeah, I, I kind of wish uh, we got a little more of that going forward. Um, I, I mean, 
we we couldn't get that in the retro games on account of no Kremlings at all. But I do really <laughs> like that idea. I I think that makes Clubba uh, a very interesting character, and it's uh, it's weird to me that he never comes back. You know, I I I love Clubba. Clubba is honestly my second favorite Kremlin after K. Rule, and I think Clubba has so much potential. Mm-hmm. You know how the cartoon series uh, introduced Captain Scurvy, which is just basically canon from the video video game. They, they call him <laughs> Captain Scurvy. And they, uh, they they made him the leader of the pirate Kremlin. So they get introduced pirate Kremlins in the cartoon without, like, changing their K. Rool model. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> they, they, they could bring in pirate Kremlins and say they're led by this guy. And this is a different faction entirely. Well, I always thought, actually, the video game should take a page from that and bring back Clubba as the leader, the new captain, Captain Clubba of the remaining like nautical forces of the Kremlin crew. And, and that'd be awesome. He's no longer affiliated with K rule. Like they've split off after the events of country two and land two. And, and maybe he's like not a friend or an ally of the Kong, but an enemy of K rule. So this, this kind of wild card third party in, in the war. I'd I'd love that. I think that'd be a great idea. Uh, One thing I really like about that is uh, Clubba already has a weapon that's not just your standard, like, cutlass for a pirate. It it would give him a uh, uniqueness as as far as uh, pirate captains go. Yeah, he's just got a big big fat stick with nails in it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love how simple it is. Like, he... That's it's all you need. He's a complicated character, Clubba, but his his likes are not that you know extravagant. He he likes <laughs> he likes big wood with nails. Well, well, who doesn't? Uh, but you know, you know, there there is also Crunch from Diddy Kong Racing, uh, a very multifaceted Kremlin character who would go on mm-hmm. to become friends. With characters like Diddy and Banjo and Conker, which was interesting. And yeah, I, I would argue that maybe some of the Kremlins and Donkey Kong Barrel Blast aren't necessarily like fully uh, antagonistic. Like Calypso, I, I, I would say Calypso is kind of like, eh, she's not really like anti Kong. She runs a nightclub for, for Kremlins, for, for uh, resettled Kremlins on Donkey Kong Island. Um, she's, right. she's interesting. Like I, I like the DKC two started to make us think about Kremlins. Like Wrinkly is trying to educate Kremlins on Crocodile Isle, and you know we're starting to think about them in terms that aren't just oh they are the villains. And for a game series to like g- get there in just one year, essentially the third game from Rare in the DKU. Um. I don't know. It, it was kind of cool. It made me uh, like break up my binary thinking as a kid. I was like, oh, oh, okay. There, there are Kremlins that aren't necessarily evil. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. I I kind of compared to uh, the Mario series. One thing I talk about with the Mario series is I'll always prefer if you have a character over just like like a generic toad or a Koopa or a Goomba or oh, something. Oh, Dustin, I've got like, bad news for you. Like, the past, <laughs> the bad news about the past 15 years? Ooh. 
Oh, but um, one I I do really love uh taking a member of this species and making them an actual character. Like Crunch is great. Uh, Club is great. Crunch, another one. I wish they uh, had the chance to do more with. Yeah, Nintendo owns Crunch. <laughs> yeah, they could just do it. They could just do it whenever they want. Crunch could be in Mario Kart Tour. Or why the fuck? Not? Yeah, just make the call. <laughs> <laughs> call him up call crunch up just <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't been he hasn't had any work in decades you've got his contact information <laughs> he would love nothing more yeah I, I i you know i don't know it it's it was interesting visiting the kremlin's home and getting to know the kremlin's a little bit more but there's also like just benign and friendly non-Kremlin wildlife there. I mean, it's established that Radley is definitely a native of Crocodile Isle, and I think it's implied that Squitter, Clapper, and Glimmer are also natives to Crocodile Isle. And so it was just like, oh, wow, you know, the the Kongs come to Crocodile Isle, and they immediately, like, form a a bond with some of the wildlife there. That's cool. And Mm -hmm. it just made me, like, think about, like, oh, what else is there on Crocodile Isle? If there's like giant friendly spiders, you know, like what what other secrets are waiting to be uncovered? And um Yeah, maybe there's like a big manatee wearing a hat. <laughs> See, with Squitter and his shoes, his his sneakers, <laughs> I like to imagine that the Kongs like provided those for him. Like they they just found a spider who was very like uh, welcoming, and he was just like I don't know maybe he like ran up to them and like nuzzled his head against their ankles, and they were like oh, and and they were like quick let's get four pairs of sneakers for him because they have the DK <laughs> yeah, we got logo. Four, we got four pairs of shoes burning a hole in our pocket. The, uh, this is probably the only time we're going to be able to get rid of them. They have, the, they have the DK logo on, like, I think the tongue. So it's like, I think they came from the Kongs. I, I, I don't know why. That makes Kong, sense to yeah, me. Maybe they're Donkey Kong shoes. and just like, <laughs> They just stole them. Yeah, they stole, because he's like, he doesn't need them. He's, he's tied up Yeah, he somewhere. never wears them. He's had these shoes for years, and I've never seen him wear them. Maybe it's because they keep stealing his sneakers to get the spiders. <laughs> I don't know, Dustin, there's just a beauty to Crocodile Isle throughout all the game. I know I just described it as dark and grimy and depressing, but think about the bramble mazes. Think about the haunted forest. It, it, it's, it's sort of like uh, marveling, not at the petals on a rose, but at the thorns on the stem. It's it's almost like achingly beautiful in a way that Donkey Kong Island and the Northern Hemisphere can never be. It it's a melancholy that never loses sight of the light still shining through the canopy, or the blue skies that are still visible through the oppressive sticker bush. Yeah, I I love it. Um, I I want to ask you a question. I'm sure you've already answered before. Sure. But what's your, what's your favorite area on Crocodile Isle? Oh, I, I the Bramble for sure. I mean, like Bramble Scramble in particular. Nice. 
is is just the like, I love Bramble Scramble. I know it's a cliched answer, but for me, like I I love all of Crocodile Isle. Like, you know, maybe the swamp, the marsh levels are my least favorite, but I still really like them. It's just the brambles though, it's just something that you never see outside of this. Like it I, I don't think Donkey Kong Country 2 in particular gets enough credit for the innovative ideas and the set pieces it, it, it pulls off, like the zinger hives and Yeah, I was I was about to mention the Zinger Hives. Just the, the amusement park, but like the the Bramble nest or, or what however you want to describe them it's such an original idea that still feels somehow plausible but it, it, it's a nice kind of melding of the fantastical while keeping it rooted in the donkey kong country style of like still being a celebration of nature of of our nature earth's nature rather than being some sort of fantastical setting Mm-hmm. So I, I that that's why it really just sticks out to me. I remember first playing Bramble Scramble back in 1995 and just thinking like this feels familiar and fresh all at the same time. I it it, it was like stirring some part of my soul that just recalled something in my lifetimes like that resembled it, but I can't, of course I can never place it cuz I've never been anywhere like that. Um I right. One one thing I really like about the uh, Bramble stages is the uh, the contrast um, because you have this be- soft, beautiful music in the background. But the this is probably like one of the most dangerous areas on this island. Like everything around you can kill you. It, it's it's not just a matter of uh, y- you know there's enemies here. Uh, you're surrounded by these brambles. You could die at any second if you like move your toe in a weird way. But uh, I, I just love that combo of that and the soft music kind of going together with it. Yeah, it, it's it's just the perfect blend. It's just, everything is firing on all cylinders, and also Bramble Scramble is just one of the best design stages. And it's just so mm-hmm. varied, and, and yeah, it's just mwah, just perfection. It's it's funny because I feel like, at least for me, the brambles kind of uh, rub me the wrong way at first. Because uh, the first bramble stage, it's mostly just barrel cannons, yeah, and it's very annoying. And um, the the visuals are still nice, but I do feel like they even do that better in Bramble Scramble. Yeah, I think Bramble Scramble, when you finally get there, you can really soak it in and appreciate it. I think Bramble Blast, yeah. it might have been a mistake putting Bramble Blast first. Like One, mm-hmm. one of the few criticisms of DKC2 I will ever, you know, throw out there, but... Ultimately, Bramble Scramble. I, I do like the placement, the fourth world. It's just it it just feels right. Um, it's it's yeah. a more it's a more impressive stage. It just feels like Bramble Blast. Kind of it, it's it's a shame that people sometimes equate the Bramble aesthetic with Bramble Blast before Bramble Scramble. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite is. Oh, it's hard to say because I really like just the Gangplank Galleon stage. My favorite stage in the whole game is probably Topsail Trouble. Yeah. Basically for the same reasons. Uh, I really like the music and I like how they go with like uh, the stormy skies. Uh, 
the the rain. It's great. Um, but I also really love those forests. Yeah, the the thing about the, the gangplank galleon uh, levels, but it's spe- uh, specifically the rigging uh, stages, mainbrace mayhem, topsail trouble, uh, is is how they they capture sort of the romanticism of seafaring and mm-hmm. and the high seas, and it just perfect like jib jig, another just I think underrated. David Wise track. It's it's my absolute favorite song in the game. Oh, awesome. High five right here. Um Yeah. I I think that like it it just when I when I think of DKC two as as a whole, I think of Jib Jig and the rigging uh, levels because I that's really where I really feel like it captures the spirit of adventure the Donko Country 2 is ultimately about. But you know, it's 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 amusing to me how like once you get on to Crocodile Isle, like the game still clings to the pirate aesthetic, even though it gets more and more distant the farther up you get. Um, but it's still there's always a little note of it, even at its furthest removed. You know? Yeah, uh, that's something I was thinking about the other day. Just how uh, the whole game is pirate themed, but really it's only the first world that is a pirate world. But I, it, it makes sense. You're going on to an island. Pirate stories are full of islands, and this island has a ton of shit on it. Well, and that's Crocodile Isle is essentially a pirate stronghold. I mean, exactly, that, that's yeah. what it is. I mean, you, we we can you know, go deeper than that and say, well, it's, it's also the Kremlin homeland. It is where most Kremlins and kremlin evolved species live but i mean for the purposes of donkey kong country 2 it is a pirate stronghold and that i mean look at that treasure map uh that's you know in the background of the the menus where you've got you know the big x and k rolls keep the treasure is donkey kong and you have to go (laughs) get the pirate treasure but a captivating location in a video game is an amazing thing. And because it's a place I like to revisit not only while playing the game and replaying the game, but I just the place I like to often visit in my mind, in my imagination, when I'm daydreaming. You know, um th- this this might seem like a tangent, but just stick with me here. Super Mario Brothers. Three, Dustin, a classic platformer, beloved by generations of gamers, often held up as the finest platformer ever made. Yeah, I think I've heard of it before. Yeah, it's my least favorite of the original Ooh. Super Mario Brothers games. And I think very, very highly of Super Mario Brothers 2, a.k.a. Super Mario USA, a.k.a. originally Doki Doki Panic!, uh, Super Mario World, I, I absolutely adore. But the worlds in those two games, compared to Super Mario Bros. 3, the worlds are lush, they're vibrant, they're colorful, and they're interesting to me. Whereas it was pointed out to me, and I really think this explains my general distaste for Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario Bros. 3 is presented... As a stage play. Um, the the background elements are often constructed like props. 
every level you're essentially running off stage even if in universe it's presented as a real adventure that mario and luigi are going on to you know uh fight back against bowser and then ultimately rescue the princess from the dark world uh it's not visually communicated that way it's communicated as artificial as fake and i do believe child heil his brain picked up on this subconsciously and it depressed me i would get sad playing super mario brothers 3 and i could not figure out why because at the time i was all about super mario brothers it it was my go-to franchise I watched the Super Show. I watched the, the <laughs> I, I, I watched the Super Mario Brothers three cartoon. I think it was like what was it the the new the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers three or something. Yeah, it was just that. called the Adventures of Super Mario <laughs> Brothers three. Garbage title, but I watched the hell out of it. <laughs> um, I, I do think it's probably the best of the Mario cartoons, but that's a pretty low bar. Yeah, Super Mario World wasn't a great capper <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> What are you talking about? It had Ugtar, Dino Bunga. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I, I just something about it like was off putting to me, and it's it's only been in recent, like I think this year, where it was pointed out to me. You you keep going on about how much you love locations and natural environments, and this is why you probably don't like Super Mario Brothers 3. And when when it was just put to me in those stark terms, I was like, oh my God, you're right. Because I don't have any issue with the design of Super Mario Brothers 3. I mean, it was a very innovative game uh, and and just really like drove the genre forward. We would not have Donkey Kong Country without Super Mario Brothers 3, but I I just don't like it. And, and that's why. And... You know, I, I look at Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, a game I don't have issue with. I like so much about Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. But the thing that still puts me off is that most of the worlds outside of Showdown Town and ultimately Spiral Mountain, uh, they're in artificial like domes. They're, they're not in nature. They're not... like. Is it is presented as like, hey, log is putting you through these challenges, but everything is is fake. Like, I I, I love so much about the game, but it's deflating when I what why I love the DKU, why I love Banjo Kazooie, why I love Rare is how much they can celebrate our natural world and bring that to life in a colorful, fun. Uh, creative way and and they create a archipelago this this island chain this fictional island chain that i want to revisit time and time again and banjo kazooie nuts and bolts plucked you out of that and put you in this god realm of artifice and uh i was like oh i don't, I don't like that as much <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm actually right there with you uh, almost all the way. I, I still enjoy Mario 3, but I do also put it below 2 and World for that exact reason. Um, and same with Nuts and Bolts. I I don't like that the worlds are so artificial. Um, 
I'll, I'll go even farther. That's one reason I prefer Banjo-Tooie to Banjo-Kazooie. Oh. Not that the way Banjo-Kazooie does it is bad, of course. It's great. I love the worlds in Banjo-Kazooie. But I think just having the worlds in Tooie have, like, a set space they're in, like, yeah. it feels like an actual world where you can go to these locations, whereas in Kazooie... Uh, again, I don't think there's a problem with the way it does it. They're great worlds, but I I don't get as much out of going through a portal and being teleported to this world. I, I do think that's a big contributor why Tui's one of my favorites. And I I definitely understand that. I I you know I I can accept the way Banjo Kazooie does it because even though yeah. you're you're teleporting to these like worlds that are like removed, there's they still feel like actual environments. And- exactly. You know, I, I never feel like Mumbo's Mountain is somehow lesser than because a portal gets me there. It's just like, well, you know, it, it's it's still a, a fun place to visit. But right. It, it, it's still great. It still feels like a fully realized location. Yeah. That's actually I would I know this is getting off track a little bit, but uh I actually like Mario Odyssey, the best of the Mario games, because it does exactly that. It uh it sets these worlds you go to as like actual locations with a physical place in this world rather than just like jumping through a painting and you're there. Sure. Yeah, I absolutely. And, and, you know, I, I actually brought this up in the preparation for this episode in the DK Vine inner circle, uh, discord chat. And, uh, it, it was posed to me. It was like, would you not like the Paper Mario games then? Because everything is, you know, in, in this um, crafty style um, and, and it's not being presented as a, as a real location. I'm like, well, but in the context of Paper Mario, it is. There, yeah. there's, not, there's nothing to say like, it's not just, uh, oh, we're putting on a, a, a pantomime. This is, this is a play. This is uh, fake, 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 fake. Um, yeah, it's treated as a real adventure, right? And and then it just comes down to art style, and then it that's the same thing in my mind as like it's Mr. Pants has the crappy hand drawn cranny <laughs> style, but it's the world building in it's Mr. Pants. Yes, I'm going to say this: the world building in it's Mr. Pants is so vast and impressive that the art style just I think accentuates the absurdity of it and layers in even more charm so it it, it's really just down to presentation for me and yeah it's it's why i actually prefer the first mario party game over two and three because the first mario party game takes place in real locations on donkey kong island and in the mushroom kingdom whereas two takes place in mario land and everything is again like a, a a stage play uh, Mario Party 3 takes place within a toy box and everything is this like cardboard set. Mario Party mm-hmm. 4 takes place in this uh, party cube, which is like a virtual holodeck. Mario Party 5 takes place in the uh, realm of dreams, Dream Depot or something, <laughs> which is still, I guess, better than what came before because dreams can just be another layer of reality if we want to get philosophical but you know it it, it is just something i really gravitate to in games and it can make or break a game for me same totally but when i say like i often revisit these locations in my mind even when i'm not playing the game you know donkey kong island is somewhere 
I admittedly spend a lot of my daydreaming time in my mind. I mean, it's been like that since I was a kid. I remember sitting in class, in math class, and um, I, I, I don't know if I've told the story where I was placed in the wrong math class and they realized I should be in the more advanced math class halfway through the school year. So they plucked me out and put me in the advanced math class. And then, uh, but I didn't have any of the basis for what we were doing in advanced math. And then that just totally derailed mathematics for me for the rest of my academic career. So I would sit in math class being totally lost, just trying to bluff my way through it for the next six years. And that uh, sounds like a nightmare. It was. It was, Dustin. That's why I'm a Donkey Kong journalist now. (laughs) Rather than. You don't need math for that. Yeah, I could have been a Nobel Prize winning. chemist who could have <laughs> revolutionized the world but uh you know then they made that mistake so it's just donkey kong journalism it was all that was left for me but yeah, we're, s- we're living in the good timeline <laughs> i would sit in like this Memphis math class where i was totally lost and i would just daydream about being on donkey kong island instead and it just it, it it was just a a mental refuge for me this this uh, small awkward child but then you know a, as i grew up that stayed with me i would go hiking and i i would really like take to adventuring throughout nature and i would see elements of dk island in our own nature in 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 my own environment and so I would, of course, immediately mentally project there and be like, oh, my God, I'm in Vine Valley or or maybe I'm in the northern hemisphere. And and, you know, that that's very relatable. And so, yeah, I, I, I bounced back and forth between Donkey Kong Island, the northern hemisphere, Timbers Island, if it's the holiday season, you know, Spiral Mountain uh, on, a, on a lazy summer day out in the country. But. Crocodile Isle, for as much as I love it, for as much as I hold up Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest, as the absolute finest game ever crafted, is not a place I visit in my mind. And I realized it's because it was destroyed, and therefore, logically, inaccessible. Like, like I basically said, oh, it no longer exists. Therefore, I can't even pretend to be there in my absent daydreaming. Yeah, I, I guess you could daydream about just flailing around in the water above where it sank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next time I'm in a swimming pool, I'll do that. <laughs> this is just like where Crocodile Isle would be. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the beach and instead of thinking about all of the urine and blood and semen that must be in the ocean i'll instead think about oh i could be i'm right above crocodile isle my little legs are dangling above where k rules keep used to be (laughs) (laughs) summer summer's not over yet get out there kids (laughs) and you know crocodile isle is such a fascinating location dustin it's got so much implied history to it that that it, it's weird that I don't think about it more in these daydreamy contexts. I have to say, back in late '95 to early 1996, I would think about it all the time when when I was being being me and and just 
mentally drifting away. I would think about Crocodile Isle and visiting there and, and being Diddy and Dixie and, and exploring it. And in my, my childhood, you know, shenanigans, my fun and games, it, it would be a part of it. But then once I beat Donkey Kong Country 2 and saw Crocodile Isle go kablooey, I stopped doing that. It was cut off for me. Uh, and, and maybe this is just a limit of my own imagination, a mental roadblock. But it did made, make me start considering as the years rolled by, you know, it's a shame. We have so much potential with this location and, and we've never revisited it. Well, I say we never revisited it, but of course there was Donkey Kong Land too. Which, <laughs> of course. You know, I, I know this is a controversial take, but it, it is my opinion. And I realize this wasn't what Rare set out to do. But it is of my opinion that both Donkey Kong Land and Donkey Kong Land 3 are original stories that are canon. Therefore, Donkey Kong Land 2 must be more than just a simple demake a, a simple uh, retelling of dkc2 on the original game boy it must be its own separate adventure how could we have a trilogy of a first game and a third game without that second game so you know dk vine's fanon has always been that donkey kong land 2 is a new adventure that takes place between dkc2 and donkey kong country 3 where K. Rule using Kremlin magic, which of course we see him use in DKC3. We see him do, put a Kremlin spell on the Queen Banana Bird uh, and the Banana Birds themselves. But he raises the remains of Crocodile Isle into this like slapshod recreation uh, of Crocodile Isle, which is why it looks worse in Donkey Kong Land 2, which is why it looks degraded and, and uh, demolished two of the worlds are combined yeah it, it's almost post-apocalyptic in, in some uh, in some backgrounds and interpretations and and even like things like slime climb instead of getting chased by a snapjaw it's just toxic sludge uh, like like toxic tower and it's like well oh the the island is just like oozing from its pores because it's just it's just a wasteland now and um yeah I, I realize that's not actually the developer intent and that's just our own little patchwork to to make everything fit in our brains but it it works and that's the way i view donkey Kong land 2 to this day oh it's just crocodile isle being held together by mystical duct tape and then it, <laughs> and then of course at the end it just falls back into the ocean again probably even more broken down than it was the first time around and so it, it's not just destroyed it's just obliterated now like there there's probably barely any pieces left uh that are intact but yeah, may, maybe we'll leave it alone after this one. Maybe this was our one chance. Yeah. So, so aside from like Donkey Kong Country Two for the Game Boy Advance, which gave us you know a couple of different glimpses of Crocodile Isle, a couple of different areas that weren't there, you know, that weren't seen in the first go around. We've never revisited Crocodile Isle, and it seems like a shame to me. But it's not like we've revisited many other areas. To be fair. 
outside of Donkey Kong Island, you know, we've we've only explicitly returned to the Northern Hemisphere once in Donkey Kong Land 3, where we saw some new areas of, of the Northern Hemisphere. But, I mean, otherwise, we just go back to Donkey Kong Island or we go to New Islands. And, you know, I, that, that's the reality. Even if Crocodile Isle didn't sink at the end of DKC 2, it's not like we would have revisited it. But just knowing that we could have revisited it would have felt special. Knowing that it was still out there, even if it was only accessible via our imagination, that can be a powerful thing. And, and I feel like it's something that was lost at the end of Donkey Kong Country 2. Right. Um, it only just occurred to me, like, right this second, but that was enemy territory. Now you just don't really have that. You don't have, like, this uh, this place to be wary of, uh, this dangerous uh, Kremlin homeland. Uh, the Kremlings don't really have anywhere to call home. I mean, that's what I think is so interesting about where the Kremlins go after Donkey Kong Country 2, because they do kind of resettle across the rare archipelago, uh, not just Kremlins, but also Kremlin-affiliated species. I mean, I just talked about on DK Vine Done Slow how there is a naughty living in Click Clock Wood, and I'm like, oh yeah, he, 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 he moved there after Crocodile Isle sank. And he settled in Click Clock Wood, which I think is an upgrade, in my opinion. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like this idea. Like I said, Calypso has a nightclub for resettled Kremlins in the Congo jungle. That's pretty right. cool. Like, I, I like those little bits here and there. But, yeah, you're right. Like, there there is no real enemy territory. Uh, the Tiki Tac tribe came from Donkey Kong Island. They, they're arguably, like... Uh, the spirits of ancient Kongs themselves, uh, the snowmads, we got closer with them because it was said that the snowmads came from the Northern seas, uh, but we never visited the Northern seas. So it's just this implied location, like in the uppermost regions of the rare archipelago. Uh, but we've never seen it. You know, uh, we probably never will see it. If we're, I always <laughs> thought, Oh, it's a shit. You know, I would love a, Back when, you know, we had 3DS games alongside console games, it would have been great to follow up Tropical Freeze with with a game where the Kongs, go, you know, take the fight to the Snowmats in their territory. That would have been really cool, but that just, you know, didn't happen. Yeah, it's it's, it's just a, a wish. It's it's just a dream. You know, uh, Banjo-Tooie did play with this. Uh, yeah, it's... Same team, same team that did Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country 2 then went on to do Banjo-Kazooie. And then in Banjo-Tooie, they essentially shifted the perspective. I know we had Grunty's Lair and everything in Banjo-Kazooie, but Banjo-Tooie upped it by, you know, showing us the Isle of Hags. And this is just the, the Winky Bunyan-controlled territory. Although it's less, like, completely controlled, uh than Crocodile Isle was because we still had Junjo Village and and the influence of the moles. And, you know, you, we had different little pockets where it felt like, yeah, this is technically witch territory, but oh, Jolly Roger is still the mayor of this town. And, and this, right. This just, just stay out of just stay out of the witch's way and you'll probably be fine. 
they right. don't come down very often. Right. Yeah. They 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 have their factory and then they run the amusement park, which you know characters seem to really like. All the all the characters <laughs> visit Witchy World, uh, even though it's a death trap. But yeah, I mean, uh, enemy territory. It. I think it's a, it's a great concept, and it's what I love about Crocodile Isle because. You know, I, I think about Bowser and the, and the Koopa Troop in, in Super Mario. And I'm like, well, Super Mario Brothers 3 established like dark, the, the dark world, dark territory, whatever, uh, which is just this like ambiguous lava field, which I, you know, arguably we've revisited several times throughout different Mario games, but it's never really articulated defined in any measurable way it's, it's always just you know oh spooky spooky lava land um i mean that's, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, a, it's never made to feel like an actual place that right, people could like live in it just suits the purposes of the game it appears in which is always i think the problem with mario compared to donkey kong is uh, it's, Agreed. Yeah, you know, something I've always brought up. Like Mario presents an obstacle course in service of gaming, where Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Country presents a, a tangible world that you explore and romp through. So right, I mean, and and I don't want to sound like I think that's a bad way to make a game, but I definitely gravitate more towards uh, putting a little more thought into how your world works. Sure, it, it's all down to preference, different strokes yeah. for different folks. I'm I'm not saying one is better than the other. I mean, I think one is better than the other, but I realize I'm also it's subjective. It's subjective. I'm the diaper wearing freak who doesn't understand math. <laughs> so. Ray Day, uh, Ray Day Pinball is in a live stream. It says, spoiler alert, in relation to Crocodile Isle being destroyed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoops. I'm sorry. Uh, Ray Day says, good thing I finished DKC2. No idea what happens at the end of DKL2, though. Well, I, I'll, 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 I, I, I won't get into specifics uh, because I definitely want you to finish Donkey Kong Land 2. Have fun. Yeah. I already spoiled it for you, but I won't get into specifics. <laughs> there, there, there's, there's other things I want to dissect in this question, but we do have a call I want to take. And so I, I want to hear what someone else has to say. Uh, and maybe that will guide us and maybe form an opinion on this. I don't know. I don't know if we can form an opinion on this, but it's worth a try. Hey, guys. Rick here. Uh, first off, I just got to say the timing of this podcast subject is pretty incredible because uh, though I've played DKC2 and beaten it before, I had never gotten all the crim coins and faced off against K, uh, Captain K. Rule again and seen that absolutely beautiful ending before uh, personally. I had never done it until yesterday. So, you know, just amazing timing with that. Uh, but on my two cents... Oh, man. It's super unfortunate because Crocodile Isle is just so awesome. Uh, and, like, it's got way more going on than DK Isle. You know, Donkey Kong Isle, it's beautiful, right? But um, Crocodile Isle has got, it's got a library. It's got a theme park. Uh, I'm guessing the Kremlins eat a ton of honey, you know? It's just got so much going for it. But at the end of the day, it was either us 
for them. Well, thanks for the call, Rick. Always great to hear from you. And I'm Thank glad you. I'm glad you finished Donkey Kong Country 2 when you did. And we didn't spoil this for you. <laughs> spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Oh, he got right in there. right under the wire. It's right there in the title this week. We're just it's like, like when I spoiled the end of the most recent James Bond movie and people got upset at me. Ooh. Yeah, I thought everybody knew. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. Like I, I, I would say Donkey Kong Island is just as interesting, but Crocodile Isle uh, is just such a, an, a counterpart to Donkey Kong Island. It, it, it's like the opposite in every way. Like where Donkey Kong Island is massive and round, Crocodile Isle is massive and tall. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, like, hey, you know, we only explored the front of it. Like, th- th- there could have been a whole backside to it filled with, with like, six more worlds. Who knows, you know? But ultimately, it, it wasn't to be. It was destroyed twice, if if, if you want. And uh, it's never coming back. But Crocodile Isle sort of stays alive in spirit throughout the DKU in a few ways. Of course, we have the mechanical recreation of Crocodile Isle from off of Donkey Kong 64. Now, obviously, this is a poor substitute when we compare the two, but I think it's supposed to be a poor substitute. It's not supposed to be... Uh, just as awesome because ultimately it, it couldn't be. This is what K. Rule came up with as a solution uh, to reconsolidate his power and to to reunify the Kremlins and the Kremlin crew. But you know, ultimately, it's just uh, it's, it's a warship. It's a giant warship in the shape of Crocodile Isle. And uh, what's interesting though is that you know we we never saw it after Donkey Kong sixty four until Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And if we take Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as canon, which of course we do, then, of course. then K. Rule's final smash implies that the mechanical crocodile isle is still operational. It's still intact. Um or at least it was when the uh the final smash took place, which I believe t- it took place in the year two thousand nine. And uh, that that provides an explanation for why the face on Donkey Kong Island is not present in 2010's Donkey Kong Country Returns. It's because K. Rool sh- showed back up sometime after Donkey Kong Barrel Blast. K. Rool showed back up in the Mechanical Crocodile Isle, got the Blastomatic working and made me like 40% power. And he was like, fuck you, I'm doing it. And he... he- <laughs> He blew the face off the islands, which was a war crime, obviously. And then that's why K. Rool didn't appear again for a decade. He went underground. He went into hiding. Now, here's you know, it, it was K. Rool from 2018 who time traveled via, you know, Master Hand and Subspace Shenanigans. He time traveled back to 2009. So the K. Rool of 2009 thought he was being framed. He was like, I didn't do this. 
But it actually, he did do it <laughs> a decade later or whatever. And uh, so, you know, he did do it, but he didn't know that. But anyway. Heil, you're you're lucky I'm so agreeable. Otherwise, I would be really, <laughs> I would be really running you through right no, now. No, I mean, think about it. K. Rool's final smash. It, it, it has to happen at a fixed point in time. He's not just blowing the face off the island every single time. So right. it has to happen at some point in the past. And so what happens is every time K. Rool activates his final smash, he's pulling the fighters back in time to, well, he's not pulling it, Master Hand or whatever is pull, pulling them back, but whoever is facilitating the Smash tournament is pulling them back to that fixed point in time. And so, like, for, there's probably like 200 to 1,000 Smash fighters, several, like, duplicates via, you know, time travel, just all in that explosion, all, all at once. But <laughs> that that is the canonical point where the uh, face got erased off the island. All anyway. right, all right. I, I, I guess it slides. Night. It gives a good excuse for not having the face anymore. It's not an excuse if it's a logical explanation. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's, it's it's like oh oh. I I guess uh, Hitler suicide is uh, is a good explanation for why the war in Europe ended. In 1945, it's, it's like, well, no, it happened. I mean, like, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so at the very least, as late as whenever K. Rule's final smash takes place, the mechanical crocodile aisle is still kicking around, which I hadn't really considered after Dunkirk 64. I, I figured the Kongs would have dismantled it or, you know, sent, sent it to the junkyard, like broken it down and I don't know, you know built built laptops with it i don't i don't know like what i don't know what they would do but they could recycle it like recycle the <laughs> aluminum and and get some uh get some cash but it is apparently still operational so you know maybe the kremlin's or at the very least the kremlin crew you know the the military outfit of the kremlin's maybe they have this this mobile headquarters where you know maybe maybe club uh is is still uh, sailing around on a galleon, maybe the patched gangplank galleon with the pirate Kremlins. And, you know, th- there are Kremlins with homes that have some sort of tie to Crocodile Isle, but the vast majority of them now live on Donkey Kong Island, you know, um, and elsewhere. But there's also the wilds in Sea of Thieves, which... The, the 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 wilds area in Sea of Thieves, if you don't know, is essentially one big crocodile isle homage. Now, I I don't know, I don't know if this was the intent, uh, but it's it's virtually identical in aesthetics. It it has the same feel to it, the same energy. Yeah, it's 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 the you know, the sky is is greenish yellow. The the water appears sickly green. The vegetation is scraggly and and it's tropical, but there's no real like uh, vibrance to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it just looks like Crocodile Isle. It looks like the overworld of Donka Country too. And you know, considering how involved Greg Mails was with the. Uh, 
early days of Sea of Thieves getting the game up and running. You know, it, it's possible there was some correlation there. There was like, hey, you know, we did this in, in Donkey Kong Country 2. This would be a cool visual motif for an area of the Sea of Thieves. Right. I, I agree. I totally agree. I, I know exactly. Uh, I, I get exactly what you're talking about with the murky skies, uh, murky waters. It, it really does uh, have that exact same feel. Uh, it just doesn't have as many crocodile heads. Uh, yeah, unless you sail with the Golden Nile aesthetics <laughs> on your ship. That's true. You got to do some of the heavy lifting. Right, right. Or you could wear the uh, the, the Kremlin costumes in Sea of Thieves, the, the Golden Nile crocodile humanoid costumes. <laughs> Don't mind if I already did. Yeah, we, we've done that on stream a few <laughs> times. But... Yeah, I, I mentioned how, you know, it's 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 nifty how we've seen the Kremlins resettle and, and kind of move on and deal with the fallout of the destruction of Crocodile Isle since DKC2. And I feel like that is an important point to make. You know, the, the importance of Crocodile Isle's fate shouldn't be brushed aside. Because I feel like the Donkey Kong series would have far less interesting mythology and an evolution of its uh, universe. It, it would have far less resonance through the the goofy, cartoony asshole of Donkey Kong if it hadn't created such a stirring moment that you can never take back, Donkey Kong Land 2 aside, where, yeah, we lost a really cool setting that still had untapped potential. But I would argue that what was gained from losing it was far more important. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely agree. Um, I think that's what it all comes down to for me. I, I know the... Uh, at the beginning of the episode, the question was asked, uh, was destroying Crocodile Isle a mistake? And my opinion is, no, it is not. Was not. Yeah, like, uh, especially when, when we look at the plots of the Donkey Kong series since Donkey Kong Country 2, it is amazing how many of the storylines are like not not in an explicit way most of the time but there's just this little undercurrent of it being driven by this action by by this accidental whoopsies of Diddy <laughs> and Dixie are fighting Captain K rule his blunderbuss backfires and and knocks him into the Kremlin source the Kremlin homeland erupts and is destroyed in fire and ash and it's this huge flashpoint moment in the series where so many games and so many plots and so much character motivation spills out of this one moment before this the series is about carol wants the bananas (laughs) and after this it becomes something a lot more meaningful it's oh that happened (laughs) <laughs> oh no I'll... which i'm sure is what k roll said uh... <laughs> that's what he would say if he was in space jam 2 
<laughs> like Donkey Kong Country Three is is all about the fallout, uh, the political fallout of, of this happening, and, and we're left to assume that the Kremlins have basically appointed a new king, anointed a new king, and it's it's all K. Rule's uh, manipulations to stay in power. Donkey Kong 64 is all about the Kremlins rallying for revenge and attempting to do the same to Donkey Kong Island that was, in their mind, done to them. And then even after that, you know, we talk about how the it's a shame that the Kremlins were not used, you know, at all with retro. and But we look at the course of the buyout era and, and the games from Payon, and you do see, like, just basically the degradation of the Kremlin crew, how how it just becomes shambolic because they're no longer this this unified entity. They they've been de- depleted in numbers, and they no longer have you know this uh, th- this bond, this this uh, this um, familiar element of their home to keep them together so k rule's army gets less and less and his plots become more and more harried and uh sort of batshit crazy because he's (laughs) kind of flailing about you know uh, you look at jungle climber his last big scheme uh before his reappearance in super smash brothers ultimate and and yeah it's 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 him it's like I got to take over the universe with the crystal bananas, and you know, <laughs> he, he's he's just gone off the deep end completely. But he he's out of options. You know, he he's a desperate man. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll just try to rule the entire universe. <laughs> if it comes to that, sure. <laughs> and I think you know maybe this is what makes Crocodile Isle as achingly beautiful as it is because we talked about how it is this gloomy sad location that nevertheless the beauty of nature shines through it and maybe a part of that retrospectively is its impermanence it was never meant to last which is what makes the pathos of donkey kong country 2 so extraordinary to this very day I totally agree. Um, one thing that came to mind was how uh, in Donkey Kong Country Returns, I like Donkey Kong Country Returns, but I feel like it's not really that memorable for me because it is a lot of locations we've been to before. And I kind of would not want that same situation with Crocodile Isle. Like, I wouldn't want Donkey Kong Country Returns to Crocodile Isle, and then it, you're just going through the greatest hits of DKC2. I mean, that would still be cool. It'd, it'd still be neat. But yeah. I think at the end of the day, I think it's good that we had Crocodile Isle, and then we didn't. Yeah, it, it's almost like a life lesson for the little kids who play it. You know, it's sometimes less is more. Sometimes right. you've got to quit while you're ahead. And as much as it hurts to say goodbye, ultimately that is what life is about. It, it, it's not about immortality. It's about celebrating those fleeting moments. And always treasuring the time we had. Like I said, pathos. And it doesn't even need 
an expensive remaster to convey that. Once again, Dustin, Diddy's Conquest surpasses The Last of Us Part 1 in every conceivable way. And it didn't even need to use its Ellie until its sequel. This has been a File 2 production. Hey, Rico.